Welcome along to this week's episode of Behind the Boxes. It is Are You OK Day, and today is the perfect time to check in on a mate, a family friend, uh, someone you haven't spoken to for a while. Give them a buzz, give them a text, uh, just check on them and make sure they're OK. We are in a, a time of our lives that we probably never ever thought that we would experience, and the uh, Are You OK Day is a great day. And of course, you've got organisations such as Gotcha for Life, Lifeline, also Beyond Blue that offers such great help to people who are struggling. We've got a big show coming up. Mick and Michelle Lill will be our special guests, along with Jamie Rogers. But as always, first up, I must say a big welcome and hello to my old mate, Timmy the Battler Newbold. And, and Battler, I've got to ask you, mate, are you okay? Yeah, good day, Duke. Well, yeah, we're okay. We're just chugging along here. I think week 10 of lockdown here in Sydney, but... Yeah, no, we're going okay. It's, I think it's it's a bit like uh, everyone. I think if you said you're all fine and everything, you haven't got a worry in the world, I think you're probably telling a few porkies because it, it's not an easy time. Uh, no one, we as human beings, we're not designed to be locked down in our home and not be able to go anywhere and go to go into the office to work and the kids go to school. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're you know, you have your good and your bad days, but fortunately, I'm lucky. I've got a great partner. Uh, the boys, my two boys keep me busy you know throughout the week so uh but there are plenty of uh, people out there Duke, who, who are struggling and haven't got anyone to lean on so yeah just pick up the phone uh message or even uh, or give them a call email just get in contact if you're struggling because you know it's 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 not uncommon it's not uncommon at all and, and people have always been afraid to you know i think show any signs of weakness well look you don't need to be like that anymore there's always people around you can always have a chat to and it's so different now, Battler. I mean, when I was growing up in the, you know, I'm 60 years of age. I was born in 1960. So when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s and, and that sort of that era, uh, mental health wasn't spoken about. I, I had a family member who suffered badly from it. Um, I remember as a kid. And I, I guess the best thing about today is that, you know, social media can be terrible with the bullies mm. and, and all that sort of stuff. But it can be also uh, great in the way that, People that you haven't connected with for a long while, it's so easy now to actually just flick them a message mm. or like a post or something that they do. And, and as I said, the Gotcha for Life program, um, they do a great job. They sure do. And we all get caught up in our own lives, Duke, doing, you know, day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, nine-to-five workers and working every weekend. But it, it doesn't take a lot to connect. In this day and age, look, uh, social media uh, can be good, but it can be very, very bad at times. But one thing with social media, it is easy to connect with people. But you've always got, oh, pick up the phone, give them a call or send a text message. It's uh, People have got to realise uh, it's not a weakness anymore, Duke. It's it's just something a lot of people can go through. And um, and this time, particularly this time, you know, people are struggling. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's easy to connect with people. So we encourage everyone to do so. Yep, it is Are You OK Day. As I said, we've got a big show coming up. And... When we talk about trainers having a great run, uh, Michelle and Mick Lill are surely at the top of the list due to the deeds of their great chasers in more sauce and casual glass. I'm happy to say that they join us on Behind the Boxes today. Michelle, I'll start with you first. How much of a thrill is it for you at the moment with uh, Usain and Willis, the kennel names of more sauce and, and uh, casual glance? How much of a thrill is it for you to to be you know winning the races that you're winning and and the dogs racing at their absolute peak? 
Oh, it's fantastic. Like we bred these dogs. We've been around these dogs since they were babies, you know, and just what they're doing for us, you know, like, oh, it's amazing, you know. Like you dream of this, you know. You dream of breeding a litter that can come out and do all this, you know. Like we're only a small kennel and, you know, it's just it's just amazing what they're doing for us, you know, awesome. Yeah. Now, listen, before I get further into the dogs, I, I have to tell you, I love a good rom-com movie. I love, you know, movies like Notting Hill and, Love actually and all that. And, and I want to take you back to the beginning, guys. So you're both involved in the thoroughbred industry at the time. Mick, Mick tells me this story, Michelle, that, that you stalked him for about three months and eventually he succumbed to your advances. And as they say, the rest is history. Now, Shell, is that the way you see it or is it probably gilding the lily a little bit? Like? Might have been the other way around. <laughs> no, well, the truth is that... Um, like when I started working there, I worked for Mark Connors at Warren Farm. Um, I actually saw Mick one day walking a greyhound, and I think it was like love at first sight, really. <laughs> With the dog, not the, not the dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dog. <laughs> but I did actually see him, you know, I used to see him every, every now and then, but at that time there was no greyhound around, so I sort of didn't really know that sort of what he was involved in and that. So I think that really, um, yeah, made it for me once I seen that greyhound. And then I think I was able to talk to him then. I sort of, I think, snobbed him for like six months. <laughs> yeah, I said hello every day for six months and I never got a reply. <laughs> and I finally got a reply, yeah, so it was, it was good. I'm still trying to get over Duke loving the rom-coms just quietly. Yeah, yeah, Notting Hill, what's going on there? Seriously, I've <laughs> never seen Notting Hill, mate. Hugh Grant, Julia Roberts. Look, oh, I will yeah. give a tick of approval to that. What about you, Nick? <laughs> uh, the, notebook, the notebook's a good one. I agree, Shell. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, you mentioned you, you were working for Mark Connors. Now, Mick, I believe you work for the legendary trainers, Lee Friedman, John Hawks. Is it true that you actually train that greyhound you've just mentioned there, Michelle, is it true you trained a winner from out of uh, one of the stables? A greyhound, that is. No, she never won a race. She was a giveaway, and I just wanted one to, to muck around with, just getting started. And um, I rented a stable across the road from Hawksy's stables there and uh, just set it up, put a little fridge in there and the bed and all my stuff, and just used to swim in the horse pool. I didn't know what I was doing. But, um, yeah, sort of learnt the ropes. I didn't have a trainer's licence. An old gentleman across the road that I rented the stable off, he had a greyhound trainer's licence, and but he didn't have a car, so I used to lend him my car. And he'd take his dogs to the races and take mine. <laughs> Michelle, you actually worked with Mark Bell when um, the great Go Wild Teddy was was recognised as one of the best in Australia. Uh, but your involvement with Greyhounds actually goes way back before then. Your dad uh, had dogs as well. Yeah, yeah. Dad, um, who everyone knew him as Pony. So Pony John. Um, yeah, and look, I grew up with dogs. Look, Dad always had a couple of dogs in the backyard in southwest Sydney. Um, he's a longtime friend of Mark Bell and we used to go over Mark's all the time. So it sort of got to where we ended up going to Wentworth Park one night. Um, first time ever catching dogs and the first two dogs I caught actually Mark got a double that night and he got a double with Boy 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 and Master Havoc. So, um, and I thought that was an enormous thrill and um, it was just at that time when the Weber Silence litter out of uh, Properties were hitting the tracks um, and I think pretty much all the whole litter one in the city and then the Go Wild Teddy and Mean Bean leader come along and then, yeah, we were always over there pretty much once a week with them. And um, when they all started racing, um, yeah, we are pretty much at the tracks like nearly every week with them. Um, I was always usually the catcher. Um, and, yeah, I used to spend pretty much 
once a week at Mark Bell's place and um, I got to look after his place when he um, went on holidays for a week. So that was a really good thrill. Um, Go while Teddy had retired then. Um, so I was looking after him, his litter mates and um, all the other pups on the property and that. And, um, yeah, no, it was amazing. I think that sort of even got me more hooked on the dogs um, when you're around these, like, champions. Um, yeah, it was just a great thrill back then, you know. Awesome. Mm. Mark certainly had a, a number of top liners back then, Duke. Now, Mick, let's talk about, uh, you know, the recent run you've been, ha- been having. Casual glance, morsels. They've both, they've been at the track 15 times combined, They've uh, the last 15 starts. They've won 12, three minors. Your last eight trips to the racetrack, all winners. Yeah, they're, they're pretty handy, the boys. They like they got that good early burn. It makes me, you know, they're pretty much push-button dogs, you know. We had to take our time with them early on because they just weren't ready. You know, there's a few age classics we could have pushed them in like it was real early dogs, but they just weren't ready and, and our patience has, has paid off now. And I always said, I said in interviews that we'd done sort of three, six months ago, I said, you wait for these dogs sort of hit three years old and we'll be able to push a button with them and you'll see some serious race dogs. And, you know, that's what we're looking at now. You know, they're just, they're, in, they're just in fine fettle, these boys. And they're probably, there's probably a little bit more in them yet, just quietly. Michelle Morsource won the, the Grafton Sprinters Cup earlier this year in July. He's now won his last five at Maitland uh, over the 400, and then you switch him to the 450, back to the 400. You're now going to send him for the Group 2 Blacktop at the Gardens over the 515 metres. He's only ever had one start over a 500 at Dubbo. What sort of a program will you set for Morsource between now and those heats? Oh, well, we'll just put him through slowly, you know, like build him up slowly, like say he'll have a post-to-post. Um, then you'll have a box to box, yeah, and then you'll go out of the boxes and give him a 500. So it gives us three weeks, you know, should be enough time to sort of get him built up for that. And yeah, he should be hopefully ready to go on that day. So yeah, are you confident he'll run out that strong 500? We know he's got brilliant early pace, and I guess the thing is that he's going to be out in front, he's going to be out of trouble. Um, yeah, and with what he can run early, you'd expect him to lead by even, even the good dogs he's going to be up against. You'd expect him to lead him by five or six through the pen. Well, that's right. You know, like I know his first two sections, you know, it's got to put him out there, you know, like, and, you know, I know the the last section will probably always be his weakest section, but I mean, he runs in sections that a lot of dogs just can't keep up, you know, so that'll probably give him the four or five lengths that he needs, you know, and, and with it's, you know, extra work getting him built up, he actually might find something at the end, you know, Maitland, Maitland's a hard run, like 450s is a hard run. Um, I think the same with Grafton. I think Grafton is a hard, even a harder run than what Maitland is. And I found that he actually got stronger towards the end of his campaign at Grafton. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty confident that, you know, he'll, he'll find it. We took him out to Dubbo there for the, the Dubbo Cup and um, we took him out, give him a post-to-post and he went bonkers the time he ran. And then we took him back the next week and had his first ever 500 out of Lids. It was 8 o'clock clock on a Sunday morning, minus two degrees, and he went 29 and a half. So I've got no doubt he'll run a slick 500. And the oh, record's 37 there held by Kyrgios. So he's yeah, his, his, his main strength is his bend speed. So I think he'll actually be better around two bends. It'll be interesting to see, but I think he'll be better around two bends because his bend speed is just off the charts. When you're running, and I've done a lot of fall around Maitland and the gardens over the years, and when you're running 24-8, at Maitland, you're generally going to get the 500 and, and you're going to run time around the gardens. That early section, you'll just, he'll be just airborne in those early stages and you'll set up a, 
a big lead on that top turn. Uh, he's only been over the 500 metre once, whereas Casual Glance has been over a number of times, one of, I think, Gunnadar, the Gardens, Dubbo, Weddy Park. What was it just he was he had more strength in the early days to, to get him over the 500? What, what, what was the reason there? He, um, we had troubles with his blood early on. He's a dog that really feels the cold. Like he was getting double rubbed six weeks before any of the other dogs. Um, yeah, he just wasn't seasoned enough. He just had that explosive early burn. We always knew that he'd, he'd get to the stage that he would, but we just needed a little bit of patience with him. And once we got his bloods right, he kept blood crashing on us. He wasn't coping with the work, but um, now he's, he's, he's good as gold now. He's seasoned out and he's ready to go. Hey, Michelle, both of the boys, they're by Kibo out of Nesquik. Now, Nesquik is a daughter of Thickness. Yep. Thickness is a daughter of Special Source, which you and Mick bought off your dad uh, for $500. And that's literally where it all began for you guys with the, with the breeding of, the, of your line. Yep, that's right. Um, yeah, even, and she was by a dog called um, Tambray Gravy, who was actually a son of Go Wild Teddy. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty good story, that in itself. And Tambo Gavey only had three starts, and um, he actually broke the track record at Richmond at his second start um, and then broke down soon after that. So, um, yeah, and she was an amazing bitch for us, you know, like for what she did, you know, she gave us so many thrills. She gave us our first Wentworth Park winner. She won 14 races. Um, and, like, back then, you know, sometimes we were so broke, you know, and we couldn't even go and watch her, and she'd come out and win. And, um, yeah, it was just amazing. And, um, uh, you know, and it was our first dog together too. So we sort of, you know, it was a fairy tale almost, you know. <laughs> yeah, first dog together. That's where the special come from. And then the source come from Gravy, yeah. So. Yeah, by Tambro Gravy. So sort of I came up with that name. <laughs> and then we sort <laughs> the of decided. The, the brains and the hard work of the operation, Mickey, see? So. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 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 You guys have invested heavily in the industry. You've poured uh, about 150000 uh into the kennel block on your property at Greta in the Hunter Valley. What? Tell us a little bit about the kennel block and what facilities in there and whatnot. Well, it's sort of been envisioned in my head that sort of the last 15 years how I want it to be set up. And, you know, finally we're sort of at a stage in our lives now where we can sort of aim for them goals that we've been dreaming about and sort of, how it's going to be set up is sort of how I've envisioned it. I've dreamed about it over the last sort of 10 or 15 years. And um, yeah, so it's 18 metres. This is just stage one. This is, it's 18 metres long, nine metres wide, and we'll have 14 kennels up the right hand side. Um, the aircon mob's just been in today. We have a big uh, 9.5 kilowatt bacon split system in it. All the fans are in, uh, lights, kitchen's getting built now. It's sort of um, oh, halfway there. Um, there's a big back deck of it, new empty in yards, little sprint yards at the back. Um, and stage two will be we've got an 18 metre long swimming pool up the left hand side, um, and then carport off the back. And then there's uh, six undercover empty in yards at the back, off the back of the deck, um, with pool fence front. So, you know, we can watch the dogs through the kitchen or off the back deck, and we can see all the dogs. And uh, we'll even have a, a fan room as well to blow dry the the dogs dry after they come out of the pool. So it's going to be, it's going to be pretty gnarly. It's going to be what dreams are made of for us anyway, you know. That's unbelievable, mate, to, to achieve something like that for you guys. And obviously the dogs, you know, they've helped you get to that stage. Mick, I, I just want to ask you, you mentioned about an 18-metre swimming pool there, and I, I guess it'll probably raise a few eyebrows with, with a few trainers who believe that greyhounds are bred to run and not swim. What benefits do you think there are 
in actually swimming dogs? Oh, especially for dogs through summertime, especially. Um, I found that the swimming with the horses was, was I, all my junior life was working with the horses and and um, all of it was swimming with them and swimming and obviously hard work, but I just want to bring that into it with training our dogs. A lot of people take their dogs to the beach um, to give them a swim. Um, but just the way I want to set me, me property up is mix their routines up with free, free galloping, some walking machine work, little sprint yards, swimming, um, bushwalks, a lot of changing of the routine and it keeps their brain stimulated. And so we do a fair, a fair bit of different stuff with our dogs and it keeps them fresh in mind. And uh, I think that's a, a big key to training dogs. You've got to keep them stimulated, especially to, in today's, today's game, you know. Well, you're having such a sensational run. You're doing something right, that's for sure. Uh, casual glance, uh, track record holder over the 388 at Gosford. Now, you're heading to the blacktop with him, obviously, uh, in the in his current form. Gee, I bet you're just hoping he can hold his form come April, May next year for the Million Dollar Chase. Oh, yeah, that'll be, yeah. <laughs> that's what dreams are made of, that one, yeah, for sure. It's a shame she got put back because he was just... He was just hitting his straps for a bit. We'll just keep him ticking over now. He'll probably have a little break after the blacktop and, and then we'll freshen him back up and then go again into Christmas or a race like the Gosford Cup. Um, and then ease off him again. Hopefully he's, they're still racing well and, and then we'll have a crack at the big one. Yeah, for sure. Wouldn't that be something back? Oh, <laughs> makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck just think. I've, I've actually got goosebumps now thinking about it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no involvement. Two races I've always wanted to win. Been growing up, this is before the MDC, was the Maitland Cup and the Melbourne Cup. Um, still the Melbourne Cup for me, that's that's a pinnacle with me horse racing background, the Melbourne Cup, you know, with JB Cummins winning, what do you win, 12 or 13? Yeah. And um, yeah, Melbourne Cup for me, and we only just got pipped in the Maitland Cup, so well, hopefully, yeah, we can add one of them to the tally with one of these dogs, would it be amazing? Hey, Shell, I've got to ask you this. I know I can't ask you who your favourite is because that would be akin to, like, asking, you know, who your favourite child is. But but they've obviously trialled two out together in the past. Um, over, say, the 400 and 450 at Maitland, who would be the quickest, casual glance or more sauce? Well, look, their times over those trips, there's not much between them anyway, really. Like they like casual glance can you can run just as quick early as well, you know. Like maybe over a little bit further, maybe casual glance might just get him at the end, but I don't know. They'd be lucky to be half a length between them, really. You know, like they're both just they're just fast dogs, like and they've both got that like beautiful early speed, you know, like it's just amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to say who's faster. It's just really I still don't know, but you know, I still don't think there's much between them, really. Well, casual glance, what's he going? 29.30 around Gosford running second in the cup eight and then third in the cup final. Then Robbie Rotten come out and won a, a heat of the Gosford goal mine, 29.27. So, you know, he's and he's airborne at the moment. He'll be starting back shortly. Like, he's going super. So there's, there's nothing between all three of them. Yeah, I think Robbie's just a little bit less reliable at box, at box rides, though. You know, I think that's, you know, his only fault there. But, I mean, he's he's fast as well, you know. So, but he's even, he's probably even probably the strongest out of the three of them, really. Well, Mick, you think he'll run 600, don't you? Oh, I think so, mate, yeah. Yeah, he's got the physique. He's got the lung capacity. He's got the temperament, more importantly. Mm. Um, yeah, and 29, 27 around Gosford and his run home time was, was off the charts, you know. So, yeah, there's no reason why he can't, with a good prep under him, for sure. Battler, I guess when you, you think of the perfect dog you want, 
you, you want a dog that can run 500, but more importantly, you want a dog that's got blistering early speed. Good beginner, brilliant speed, and if you can get to the 500, well, you, yeah, it's game on. And that's, you know, people always say, oh, look at these strong dogs. Look at this, get to the line. You know what? Just give me a good beginner. Any day of the week, please, and you're going to knock up winning race after race, which you guys are doing right now. Young, young Willis, he has to be a most consistent record going around. Like he's at what's he, 27 starts, 17 wins, and eight seconds. Like he's only been on place twice, and he's he's either won first or second in his career, apart from two starts. Like that's yeah. and just does it week in, week out. Like yeah. it's just amazing what that dog can do. Oh, they, I've got they, him in front, but there's a bit of <laughs> yeah, with the wife. But I've got him. I've got him a couple me, of lengths be better be than the other two. Yeah. Hey, um, I've got to also say, uh, Shell, that you know you were basically born in, in dogs. Your dad had them, but but your son Aiden also gives you a hand around the property as well. Has he got that infectious love for greyhounds that you two guys obviously have? Oh, he's an animal lover, you know, like he's got all the animals he could want here, you know, we've got plenty of animals here, not just dogs. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, he's just, he's also got the love for the games as well. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, he, he helps us and, you know, he does enjoy it. Um, like Aiden's on the autism spectrum as well. So, um, you know, he, he, he's a little bit quiet and stuff, but um, it is good for him to get out with the animals and that, and, you know, get amongst it and that. But, um, yeah, he enjoys it. So I'm hoping, you know, in a couple of years' time when he can get his attendance licence, he'll be there helping us out for sure. Hello, Jude. Hello. Hey, Aiden. Hey, I'll ask you because mum, mum wouldn't tell me. Aiden, who's your favourite? More sauce or casual clients? Willis or you saying? Willis. Willis. There you go. <laughs> hey, there you go. Hey, guys. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, Shell. I know you hate doing media interviews. I've got to say, you have been absolutely bloody sensational, huh? Oh, thank you. Thanks. A, you can put me in the spelling paddock now. You can probably put me in the now. She can take over. <laughs> no, it's uh, sensational, he, guys. He loves it. I, I just like to hang around in the background. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, continued success with the team. Um, again, the, the best compliments I, I, I guess people give other people is, is what sort of people they are. Um, and I don't mean to embarrass you, but but I know Ray McGavin did a story on you recently and, and it's a common thread. Fast dogs, great people. So well done. I hope that success continues in the future. And, and again, good luck with uh, good luck with casual glance and more source moving forward immediately into the blacktop. Thanks very much, guys. Thank great, you. Great to talk to you. Nice talking to you. See you later, Pat. Well done, guys. Ta-da. Mick and Michelle Lill here on Behind the Boxes. We're going to take a quick break. After this break, we're going to speak with Jamie Rogers. We're going to chew the fat, do what's hot, what's not, and hopefully try and find you a winner along the way. All that and more coming up on Behind the Boxes. Welcome back to the Behind the Boxes podcast for this week. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the program, today is Are You OK, Diane? One of the organisations that does a fabulous job in promoting mental health awareness and providing programs to help people that are struggling is the Gotcha for Life organisation, which is headed up by media star Gus Wall and now a well-known face to punters is Jamie Rogers, who is also an ambassador for Gotcha for Life, and she joins us today. Jamie, welcome to Behind the Boxes. As we all know, mental health issues are very prominent in the lives of so many people. What sort of support does Gotcha for Life provide for people who are struggling to cope? 
Yeah, hi guys, and thanks for having me on your podcast. Well, Gotcha for Life is a brilliant charity and what they really symbolise and, and trying to get the message out is not to worry alone and to find that mate that you can really confide in and call up and, and talk through if you're feeling down or, or having issues. You have always got a friend that you can reach out to and Gus is so passionate about this mental health cause and he's one of those personalities that it's infectious to be around him because he is so positive and so passionate and I think it is really important to always ask for help and reach out for that if you need it. And the statistics behind mental health market is quite staggering. You know, there's 9,000 suicides a day in Australia. That's 3,000 a year. And 45% of Australian adults at some point in their life will suffer from a mental health issue. So the numbers are staggering. They're so high. And that's why I think it's really important that like what you guys are doing now, we talk about it and raise awareness and make it just part of the conversation. And I think, I, I don't think any person, I mean, I'm 60 years of age and I can see I've been touched by mental health issues in the past, whether it's a relationship breakdown or something else. I don't think there's many people at my age who haven't been touched by something like that. And, and again, if you go back 30 and 40 years, there wasn't a program like Gotcha for Life around. Mm, no, exactly. You're, you're completely right there. And I think as well during this period of, of covid we're all, I hate that saying that we're all in the same boat because we're definitely not in the same boat, but we're all weathering this same storm and people are suffering in their own way. And that's why I think it's really important that people are talking about it and reaching out and getting the help that you need. Because as you said, this is a time where we are actually talking about it. And I've grown up with my mom that's had mental health issues and she definitely didn't have the support back in the day of what you get now. And that's why I think it's important we continue this conversation and, and make it part of what everyone is comfortable talking about. Joni, are you okay days only just one day of the year, but mental health is something that people struggle with every day of the year. What, what should they do to, to cope if they are struggling, you know, uh, throughout the year? You know, Tim, I think the biggest thing is to just always ask for help. And I, and that's why I just love this slogan that got you for life, always live by. And that is don't worry alone. Reach out to your friends, reach out to your support network of whether that is, you might not want to talk to your husband or wife or partner about it, but maybe you can reach out to a friend or call a company like got you for life or lifeline. Any of those, there are so many people there that are there to help. And I think it's something that we, you need to take. So if you are struggling, please reach out and ask for help because there is plenty of it now that's available. Jamie, uh, not many people may be aware that in a previous life you were an elite swimmer and next year you're planning to swim uh, the English Channel in a bid to raise awareness for the Gotcha for Life organisation. Now, more people have actually climbed Mount Everest than have swum the English Channel. Where did your inspiration for this come from? You know, Mark, I actually didn't know that stat until after I'd committed to swimming the English Channel. I started reading those things thinking, oh, my gosh, this is an enormous thing that I'm taking on. So it all came about when I was hosting the Big Sports Breakfast. And a lot of your listeners have no doubt hopefully tuned in and heard us. So we were talking about Chloe McArdle. She is an Australian marathon swimmer who last year was over in the UK attempting to break the men's record of the amount of channel crossings, which she did. And she's actually over there now trying to break the world record. And it was while we were talking about this swim and Laurie Daly actually said to me, come on, Jamie, you need a challenge. Come on, you need to do something. And I said on there, I was like, you know, I might do a 5K swim. And it was even Laurie that was like... <laughs> 5Ks, come on, you actually need a challenge. And we sort of parked it there. And when I got home, my husband said, 
well, why don't you try and swim the English Channel? And I just looked at him and said, because I could not think of anything worse. <laughs> and I couldn't. At that time, I literally thought that would be the worst thing to do. And, you know, people always say when you have a goal, it should excite you a lot and scare you a little. Well, in this case, it excites me a lot, but it scares me a lot more. <laughs> um, but the more that I looked into it and and because once it got in my head and, and you guys know me, I, I've always been someone that I like to work towards goals and I... I look into things and I start to research it and I start to get really quite excited about the challenge. And also because I was a swimmer and I still am, but I've always swam in the pool and it's completely different swimming in the ocean. I've had to change my technique. I had to reach out and join new swimming groups and I've met amazing people who are all helping me along the way. But yeah, so I've had Chloe McArdle and my husband. So whenever Dave is like, oh, you've got to go training again, I'm like, well, this is all thanks to you. So, yeah, so it's been really interesting. I've loved it so far. And, and you're not just uh, swimming to raise awareness, Jamie. You're, you're looking to raise big dollars and you've got a target of 50 grand. Yeah, so that's right. I wanted to raise $50,000 and I did speak to Gus when I had this idea in my head and I just wanted to get a number that would actually make a difference. And I I mentioned those suicide rates at the start of the show and I want to do what I can to bring that down to zero. So that $50,000 will go towards programs in schools and out in the workplace that can just help with that mental fitness. And I feel like swimming the English Channel is going to be 20% physical and 80% mental. So I thought this was a really perfect way to raise awareness about mental health and raise some money along the way that will actually go and make a difference. Jamie, I remember the great... Uh, Des Renford swimming the English Channel during the 1970s and 1980s. I think he swam it around 19 times and he mm -hmm. wasn't a young man when he started off doing that. Um, what's going to be the toughest part of the swim? You mentioned that, that you grew up as a pool swimmer and as we know, the ocean is, is totally different. Um, you know, you've got sea urchins, for example, in, in, in the channel there. You know, it's, a, it's around 35 k's there. Yep. What, are, what are going to be some of the biggest obstacles you'll have to overcome as a swimmer? So the biggest issues that I've already started to find is the cold temperature. So I'm swimming a lot during our winter because this winter is pretty much crucial for my success next year. And what I'm finding is I get really cold really easily. And my swimming coach keeps reminding me that I, it is just about practicing. It is just being used to being submerged in that cold water. So without a doubt, the cold temperature is going to be an issue for me. I don't mind the jellyfish. That's not a huge issue because you do get stung quite a lot. It's not a matter of if you'll get stung, it's when and how often. Um, but for me, it's definitely the cold. I don't mind swimming in big waves. I don't mind swimming against currents. None of that is a problem because that you can almost prepare for. I will be strong and I am working a lot on my strength and my technique and that sort of stuff. But something like the cold, I can't necessarily control because you don't wear a wetsuit in the channel. So I'm now out there in the middle of our winter in my speedos and I often get pulled aside where people say, what are you doing? Why aren't you wearing a wetsuit? And I say, well, this is me trying to acclimatize um, because obviously I'm by myself now during lockdown, all the people I usually swim with are all in the Eastern suburbs. So I am swimming by myself, um, which has been interesting. You do uh, coat yourself with Vaseline, but I've seen that. Not at the moment, but I will in the channel, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they, you see them absolutely laden with Vaseline over their body. Yeah, so that'll be a little bit of warmth to help me, um, but it, it's just practicing. So a lot of cold showers, I will have ice baths, and it is just the spending the hours here in the ocean during our winter. And Jamie, what do you do basically to prepare yourself mentally for the uh, swim? You've mentioned physically. Uh, what about mentally? 
That's a really good question, Tim. That's I haven't actually been asked that before. Um, and that's that is a really good question. Um, to prepare for me mentally, I know what I'm like in that I like everything to be prepared and I, and I know that I need to be in my tip-top physical condition. But the thing with the channel though is it's so unpredictable of when you'll actually leave. So you get given a window of a week. So mine's from the 3rd to the 8th of August. And my pilot could ring me at 10 o'clock that morning on the 3rd and say, Jamie, you're leaving at midnight tonight. So, but then he might ring me at 11 p.m. and say, actually, the swim's not now because the weather's not great. And so that apparently, from what other swimmers have said, that mind game of when you actually don't know when you're going can mess with you quite a lot and you are staying down near the water and it's just that waiting game. So that, I don't know how I'll prepare for that because I'm someone that likes to be so regimented and strict. And it's probably what this lockdown has actually probably worked in my favour because I've had to adapt and change and go with the flow and change my training to suit what is happening with uh, the rest of our world so lockdown's probably actually is probably how I'm going to be preparing for that but also just my training making sure that I'm doing everything that I know that I'm doing will get me across that English channel and where can our listeners and viewers find out a little bit more and more importantly uh, where can they donate so I, um, I set up a website and it's at jamie.com.au. I had to just go with my name because Tabcorp owns my full name. And do you think I can figure out how to buy that back? No, <laughs> we've got with jamie.com.au. Um, but also through my Instagram, I try and put a lot of stuff up there, what I'm doing with my training. And it's also got the URL of how to donate because it's quite a long link. It's jamie-rogers-uk-swim-raisley. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put that URL. It's there on the screen right now for us, yeah. Right there on the screen, which makes it a lot easier rather than me trying to rattle it off. So it's right there on the screen. And also I've put it on Instagram. It's on my website and you can click through there and donate. Jamie, good luck for the swim. I was just, I actually just took a phone call from Tony Mestroff. Oh. Who is the CEO of Greyhound Racing New South Wales and Greyhound Racing New South Wales are going to donate $1,000 oh. to swim. So Good on you, boss. Thank that's, you. That's, uh, that's, that's so amazing. Thank you so much, guys. I really, really, really appreciate that. Just remind us again about the Gotcha for Life website and, and where people can go to reach out to them. Yeah, definitely head on to the Gotcha for Life website because there's also not only has it got all their contact details, but it's also got a whole wealth of information of different courses that you can go and do and different ways that you can reach out to people and follow Gus on social media, follow Gotcha for Life on social media. And the reason why I think you should follow them is because they're constantly posting just nice positive things and also exercises of what you can be doing during this lockdown and different ways that you can get through any of the mental health challenges that you might be facing. So I know one of the strategies and techniques that people often say when you are struggling is to turn off your social media. But I do think it is nice to check in on someone like a Gus Wallen or a Gotcha for Life because it's a really positive message that they're putting out there. Yeah. Well, good luck with the swim. Good luck with uh, reaching that target of $50,000. We'll check in you with you. I know it's not till August next year, but we'll check in with you before then. We'll follow it closely. And, and again, uh, well done with what you're doing and also good luck with the uh, Gotcha for Life program as well. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on and, again, for donating that $1,000. I really appreciate it. Good on you. Jamie Rogers there joining us on Behind the Boxes this week as she embarks on an English Channel swim battler. I don't know about you, but at my age now, I'm flat out swimming 50 metres at the local pool, let alone going across the road to the beach. 
I've got about 20 years on you, Duke. I can guarantee you I'd struggle swimming 50 metres in a pool. But, uh, yeah, it's quite a remarkable challenge. Uh, I just can't get my head around it, to be quite frank. Um, I really can't. I think it's uh, 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 something that Jamie will, you know, uh, in, in years to come, she'll look back and just just uh, basically say, well, you know, I, I looked at that challenge, uh, I took it up and I've conquered it uh, in time and, yeah, and in, in the process, raising awareness and raising great coin uh, for a very, very important cause, Duke. It is. All right. Uh, as I say, reach out to a mate, reach out to a friend, whether it's your partner, your child, uh, just anyone. If, if you are struggling, um, you know, are you OK day? As we said, it's just one day of the year, but the other 364 days uh, do that as well. Now, Battler, uh, earlier in the week, we had the uh, Greyhounds Clubs Australia Greyhound of the Year announcements made for 2020 and 2021. Tommy Shelby, the Golden Easter Egg winner, took out uh, the Greyhound of the Year. New South Wales fared well, but uh, Stanley Road, trained by Mark Gatt, Freddie Kingswell, it won the run of the year with a uh, remarkable performance to take out that Association Cup. Sure was, and uh, I was actually calling that race, Duke, and he was back near last. I think he was probably 12 to 13 from the leader with a lap to go. He began to gradually make ground down the back straight. Then he, he ran into a half a dead end on the top corner. And at that stage, I think in the call, I might've said, oh, he's looking for a run, couldn't get through. And then 20, 30 metres later, the run appeared. He was still probably six off them on the home corner. Uh, and then I, I, I kept an eye on him and I knew he was coming. And then you just see him launching up the inside there to, to get up in the, and score a last drive victory. It was one of the biggest wins I've seen in uh, Wentworth Park. And I think he, he certainly was a worthy winner of the run of the year. And I like to see, uh, you know, it's quite easy, Duke, when people are talking, you know, run of the year and they want to just say, oh, track record run, you know. And track records, you know, they, they can, it can be dependent on, on the day, whether it's run a, a day or night meeting, conditions. That's why I think the runs of the year have to go to these big wins, you know, when they've done something special in the run and not just run a track record. So, yeah, here's a worthy winner, Tommy Shelby. Well, we know what he, he did all throughout the year, three group ones. And what was good about him, he just travelled far and wide. Tassie, Victoria, up here in Sydney, he won the Golden Easter Egg. We saw him here last year in the uh, Million Dollar Chase as well. So, uh, again, another worthy winner um, of the Greyhound of the Year. And we also saw uh, one of the doyens of the Greyhound Racing Media, Jeff Collison, admitted as a Hall of Fame member as well. Yeah, great honour for Jeff. And I was actually surprised, Duke. I've got to say, I thought he would have already been in the Hall of Fame, uh, knowing Pigeon for so long and, and what he's done within the industry. Uh, it's a great honour. I know he'd be absolutely chuffed being uh, put into the Hall of, Hall of Fame. Um, began his career in 1962 at the Daily Mirror. Uh, was the wine and, and greyhound rider uh, all the way through. He's got some great stories. If you ever get a chance to sit down and have a, have a chat to Jeff, uh, I, I know uh, I've heard a couple of stories of the days when he was he was tipping to Kerry Packer in the yeah. 1980s, I think it might have been. So, um, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's uh, retired from, you know, the Daily Telegraph and News Corp back in about 2012 or thereabouts, and now he writes for Greyhound Racing New South Wales. Uh, he's always pretty much the first guy 
at Woodworth Park. And he, he never misses a meeting, never misses a meeting. And uh, yeah, the first bloke you'd run into, Jeff, I know at one stage there I was going, it was a midweek, it was a Wednesday night meeting. And I turned, I was in the city for whatever reason. I got there about 4.30 in the afternoon. The first race was seven o'clock. Anyway, the first bloke I run into, Jeff, I think he was there about quarter to five. So he gets into the racetrack nice and early. Uh, he's always a, a friendly face. And um, I know in my time in the media, if I ever needed you know, find out something and you could easily just pick up the phone, ring Jeff and he'd have the answer. He's a Greyhound Racing Encyclopedia. So yeah, it was great to see him on it uh, with that induction to the Australian Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's a worthy winner. I've, I've known Jeff since I was a kid when I was going to uh, Harold Park and Wentworth Park with uh, Bruce and Julie Fletcher. I was working for Bruce. Uh, Bruce was bookmaking at the time and they were very good friends with Jeff. So that is about 1976. And I imagine he would be suffering massive withdrawals at the moment by not being able to go to Wentworth Park for a start. But on the flip side of that, uh, Jeff is a mad and fanatical manly supporter. So this year uh, he's been inducted into the Hall of Fame. I know he loves his wine, he loves his family, he loves his dogs, but I tell you what, Battler, if Manly were able to win the NRL Premiership, that would be, I reckon that'd be, I reckon that'd be Pigeon's best year ever. Yeah, I didn't know that, Duke. I've got to say, I've always held Jeff oh, very high on a oh, Now he's just serious. come down a fraction, Jeffrey, uh, knowing you're a manly supporter. I know. Ah, potting for that. <laughs> I know uh, our CEO uh, of Greyhound Racing New South Wales. I might get a spray after mentioning that uh, now. <laughs> oh, no, no, he did play for South as well, but Tony. Yeah, true, that's a good point, but he is tipping Mealy and he's, he's uh, pushing for Mealy, I think, this year. But oh, I didn't know that about Jeff, but, yeah, it will cap off a fantastic year uh, if Mealy can win. But, uh, yeah, I, I tell you what, we, we, we're all looking forward to getting back to Wentworth Park when things begin to open up a little bit more here in Sydney. And I know the bloke will be very eager will certainly be Jeff. He, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be, I can guarantee you one thing, he will be the first there on track on the first night we're back at winning. Mate, if it's a Saturday night meeting, he'll be lined up on the Friday. Yeah. Hey, listen, um, the feedback we get from our viewers and from our listeners, Battler, is that they love our what's hot and what's not segment, right? So yeah. what is hot for you this week? Uh, young Greyhound by uh, the name, I should say, not, uh, he's my dog to follow. Um, no, what's hot, Battler? Not dogs hot, to follow. Not dogs to follow. I was going off too early. Are you okay, Battler? Are you okay? Uh, look, I'm struggling. We went into oh, lockdown in June, on June 20. That's no, what's hot, the segment I just said that people really love. Right? Peter Carr. Peter's a uh, trainer. He's based out near beautiful Mudgee. And I'll tell you what, I looked into his record over the last, what, five weeks? Since August 1, Duke, he's had 17 starters for 10 winners. Winning strike rate of uh, a little over 58%. Uh, he had a winning treble at Dubbo uh, last Saturday night. And he's having a great run with a litter at the moment. Uh, the second litter of El Casey, uh, biased and DB, and the first litter produced Jimmy Casey, Charlie Casey, who we both know really well. Uh, one made, uh, Jimmy Casey made a million dollar chase yep. final. And Charlie Casey, uh, he made the group one uh, Dapto Megastar. So that first litter uh, produced some really talented greyhounds. And this second litter uh, by El Casey's produced a few as well. So Peter Carr, he's uh, my what's hot this week, having a, having a tremendous run. And he's a, he's a nice fella. Uh, and good to see him having such a good run with his greyhounds at the moment. Yeah, I'll tell you what's hot for me, Battler, the 350-metre track record at Grafton. So if we go back a few weeks, uh, Orson Laurie uh, broke that track record and set a new mark at 1981 at his first start. 
uh, as a maiden. We discussed him, we showed him. Uh, Diamond Jewel last Wednesday, uh, she equaled that mark in 1981, uh, first up for six months. As we said last week, a great training performance by Frank Hancock. And then on Sunday evening, Zipping Lopez, who is a, another member of the Zipping Garth, Zipping Lily Letter, trained by Jason McKay, owned by Marty and Fiona Helena. Uh, he had one start uh, at Maitland in early July. He led by 10, suffered a bad hind leg injury when winning there. He was first up since that run. And on Sunday evening, he had the red. He absolutely flew out. And he also equaled the track record. Now, I know we're only sort of three months in, but the, the thing that really strikes me is particularly Orson Laurie and Zipping Lopez, two very young dogs equaling a track record mark. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a real talent. And, and being such a, uh, a brilliant beginner and that high speed you know, in the, the first 50 to 100 metres, you're going to win more races than not you. Um, that, uh, that track record, and I think we highlighted it a couple of weeks ago, a couple of the really good dogs which have gone either, you know, run the 1985s and thereabouts. And they're, 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 they're race dogs too, they're have probably, won, yeah. you know, 10, 12 races. So these young dogs coming through and doing it now, uh, they've got a big, big future. And yeah, it's quite remarkable, this Lena Byers, Ibn Garth, and he's having a tremendous run. I think we're going to be talking about him as a sire for a number of years, Jude. Yeah. So that's how what's hot. Hey, Battler, what is not hot at North Rocks where you live in Sydney? <laughs> I'll tell you what is uh, not hot. Last Wednesday night, Duke, uh, we recorded this show in the afternoon and I went up to uh, to Coles that evening. It was, you know, I think the second or third time I'd been out of the house for a week or two with the trip up to Coles. It was very exciting here. And lo and behold, a couple of streets up the, uh, up the uh, road, a house had turned their Christmas lights on. No, these no. imbeciles, these imbeciles. On the 1st of September. On the 1st of September, have turned their Christmas lights on. Now, turn it up. Uh, turn, I can call December to... 1, December 1, but September 1, the Christmas lights have turned on. I know we're all struggling a little bit in, in lockdown and we're doing a few little crazy things, believe no. me. I've done a few, but but come on, turn it up. Turning your Christmas lights on on September 1, that is not hot at all. I'll tell you what you need to do, back. You need to go up to that house, knock on the door <laughs> and say to that person, are you okay? Yeah, I, I, I do. They can't be gaping, as I said. I, I might go for a little drive up tonight uh, and just see how they're travelling. Oh, listen, I'll tell you what else I've got to bring up. You know what I think we should do on the show? What's that? We should have a rumor mill scene. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine a rumor mill scene? Other than the grand industry, love a yeah. rumor. <laughs> oh, you hear three or four thousand a day. But the latest one, and if yeah. you've brought this upon yourself, to be quite frank. All oh, right. You, <laughs> you mentioned on this show last week you were moving to Grafton. I am next next week. Yes. Well, then I got a couple of phone calls, and I've had. A couple of messages. Duke Loss is going to Grafton and he's going to take over the running of the club. Breaking news. Breaking right. news. What have you got for us? What are you going to tell us? Any truth to that rumour? Battler, when you when you have a big announcement to make, it's only fair that you break it on your own show, right? So today I can tell you that, yes, I'm moving to Grafton. Uh, absolute BS, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not a scary control no. whoever. Seriously, I, I did say to Johnny Corrigan when I get down there, mate, I'm happy to help out in the club, whether it's 
run the barbecue. I don't care. I want to be involved in the club in some way, shape or form. I am going to train a couple of dogs. It's been 25 years since I actually put a collar and lead on a dog. So if anyone's got a handy dog, they want to sell at a fair price. I'm also after a two-dog walker and a hydro bath as well. (laughs) So I need that. Bought an ultrasonic. I bought a laser. Uh, Yeah, no, absolute crap. No, I am not going to... Glenn Heaton does a great job. So, but you know what? I suppose the good thing is, if they're talking about me, they're leaving some other poor bugger alive. Yeah, that's right. They're leaving me. And I've heard a few different rumors about me over the years. There are a couple of beauties here and there. I think I started a couple of them about you. But anyway, that's that's irrelevant. But no, no, no. I am looking forward to Grafton. Are you going to continue to have you sold the apartment at Palm Beach and Sydney? Or are they just going to be your little getaways along with the Grafton big property? What are you on, 30, 40 acres or something? Yeah, yeah. It's an 800 metre square block. Uh, I, I have sold Palm Beach, and uh, yeah, I'm still doing it. If I was if I was going half as good as you, oh, it might be sweet. But I am I'm looking forward. I, I tell you, I, I can't wait to get to Grafton. I really am looking forward. More importantly, I am looking forward to training a couple of dogs. I've missed it so much since I stopped. I've wanted to do it, but obviously because my gigs with Sky and everyone else. So I've still, I'll still do my contracting work for GRNSW and plus all our other clients that are, we've got as well. But uh, mate, I'm, I'm so looking forward to training a couple. And we've got two kennels going into the uh, shed. So as I said, looking for a couple of handy dogs, pay <laughs> money. I need a two-dog walker and a hydro bath, heated hydro bath at that as well. Now, listen, yeah, the, we should start that, the rumour mill. Yeah. We can take up a whole show each week with the rumour. Oh, oh, wouldn't we get into trouble? Oh, it'd be it. Yeah, Legals nah. would have to, they would have to case the show every week. All right, uh, let's try and find some winners. Who is your dog to follow this week? Yeah, a young dog by the name of Powderfinger. Uh, oh, my favourite band. I love the band. I, I, I mentioned to the producer about playing uh, a bit of music, but uh, the producer's not a fan of Powderfinger. Really? Very, very poor taste in music. But anyway, I won't go there. Uh, young Greyhound trained by Jody Lord. Um, has only had the six runs. Four wins, uh, very impressive. But now uh, on Monday, began poorly, got a run through at the first turn, went to the top into the back straight, then let go mid race. Look, uh, is young, immature, uh, but gee, when the penny does drop, I think this guy could be, he could be a, a, a group dog over the middle journey. You never know whether they can run the seven hundred meters, but he's run home times at Richmond uh, at Narajuka. Phenomenally, he runs home at about 12.60, 12.64, thereabouts. The record there run home time is 12.53, which was set about 15 years ago. Wow went around there recently and broke the new the, the track record, but his run home time was 12.68 or thereabouts. Yeah. And tell the, world, well, uh, tell the world's the mum of Powderfinger, uh, she was quite strong as well. But, yeah, he's running 1260-odds home around now. Um, yeah, I think he could be a real talent uh, and one to follow, particularly when he does get up, you know, over the longer journeys. If, if he does mature and, uh, and and does everything right, he could be, uh, yeah, a, a group dog over that middle journey particularly. Well, we know Wenty's not racing at the moment. So, Battler, what that means is we've got a, a sort of a lack of distance racing. Uh, so there's a real dearth of stays at the moment. I mean, GRNSW obviously doing their best to program staying races, but... Uh, a greyhound trained by Dave Richardson is uh, Bar Sandy. Now, Bar Sandy, uh, she won the first ever 660-metre race at Grafton, going 3811. Uh, she ran second in the Grafton Stayers Cup. She's run time at Albion Park uh, over that 710 metres there. 
Uh, she comes up with box one at the gardens on Friday afternoon in a 715 metre race, absolutely perfectly drawn. And I guess, you know, Dave will be like a lot of other trainers. He's got a good stayer on his hand, but at the moment COVID is dictating terms that he's got to be really, he's, he's got to be creative in where he places her. So Barsani is a dog. She'll lead up that 715. She, um, as I say, she's raced really well at Albion Park in the past, raced well at Grafton, a home track, heads to the gardens on Friday, box one. I'm tipping she will be short, but you never go break back and win as battlers. So Bar Sandy is my dog to follow this week, mate. Yeah, very talented. Uh, yeah, you've mentioned perfectly drawn in box number one. Uh, should roll forward from that, Ellie. I think you're right. I think we'll go around at a pretty skinny quote, but... As you said, we can't go broke backing winners. All right, before we go, another very popular part of the show is uh, what's Battler bought this week? <laughs> oh, I'm making this stuff up as we go, but I, I'm telling you, people love it. Yeah, so. You know what actually happened before we uh, began recording this? A guy turned up at a courier and I went out and um, anyway, yeah, the address was right, but the wrong name. And I said, oh, what is it? He said, oh, a box of chocolates and desserts and everything like that. Yeah. Anyway, I said, no, no, it's not for us. I said, I'm not sure you go and try over the road and whatnot. But, yeah, um, as far as what I've actually bought, um, not really exciting, but a gurney, a high-pressure water. I love a gurney. I just bought a gurney as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, I, I need to give the footpaths and uh, yeah. out the back a, 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 I love a wash. Yeah. I and, love um, gurney. What about an air fryer? Have you ever got? Have you got an air fryer? No, no, no. I'm not a fan of the air fryer, but I am a fan no. of the gurney. I love to see when you get the the hose on and it gets rid of the. I'm, I'm. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get that one too. But I, I, I love a gurney. I just bought a. I bought a good one for Grafton. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe you're potting an air fryer. Nah, mate. I suppose you shouldn't pot it till you try it, but. Oh, I love cooking. I love. I love hands on. I don't want to just stick stuff in it. Air fryer? I do a great roast chicken in the air fryer, Duke. Yeah. Hey, what about the martini glasses? Did you? Yeah, we gave them a run on the weekend. Yeah, um, yeah they're okay. Paula enjoyed it more than what I did. Um, yeah. I love an espresso martini. Yeah, look, it was okay. Um, I, Maybe know, it was I, the bloke making them. No, 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 I was good. I was very good. I got all the tips from actually my nephew, who um, he's he works in a bar, cocktail bar, and does all that. So he he gave me a few uh, tips. To, to, but Paula loved it. I was not entirely sold. I'm happy for a beer and maybe just a grey goose juke. But um, maybe you know, I needed to be out and about drinking a martini overlooking the water somewhere. But um, yeah, no, it was okay. But Paul Paula's keen for me to make him again. Yeah, jury's out. I love yeah. it. I love it. Had a big night on espresso martinis. <laughs> the Woolloomooloo Hotel one night. Uh, it wasn't a happy ending, but it was. <laughs> when I say happy, sorry, wrong choice of words. It wasn't a happy finale to it, right? But during the night, that was fantastic. I remember we'd gone to China Doll uh, with Jerry Patani, one of our great mates, and my old boss at Sky, and then we headed across the road to the loo, and uh, everything was going great until I got in the cab to go home. So, oh. And another one was in was in Hong Kong. I'm sure you were with us that day. Yeah, yeah. We went yeah. up to, up yeah. the hill. Yeah, yeah. We're right up on the highest building. Yeah. Man, I, I, yeah. And again, the same thing. I reckon it's the cab. Every time I get in the cab. Oh, the cab. I heard it all now. I bet you you didn't pay for China Dole and the Martin. They're about $20 a pop. Please. 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, great show. Mickey and Michelle Leal, uh, Jamie Rogers. We've chewed the fat. We've gone what's up, what's not. We've started the rumour mill. That'll be, <laughs> I'll tell you, that'll be in next week as well. And I hope you are okay. Uh, have a great week, mate, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Yeah, good as gold. Been a lot of fun as it always is, Jim. Sure is. All right. Timmy, the battling new bowl here on Behind the Boxes. And let's see. If you are struggling, uh, there are plenty of organisations that can lend you a helping hand and support. Gotcha for Life is one of them. Lifeline Beyond Blue. Do not, do not be afraid to reach out. There is no embarrassment uh, when it comes to mental health. I hope you have a great week. We'll catch you same time, same place next week on Behind the Boxes. 